0: Mike Burton is president and CEO of C&K Holdings. Uh, Been there since uh, 2003, I think, is when you started the organization, Mike. Uh, His company is a major intermodal player, certainly in the Chicagoland market. But Mike has some 800 trucks running around the country, uh, primarily in the area of uh, intermodal. And uh, so, Mike, welcome to uh, our new uh, set up here at the Traffic Club of Chicago. We're calling this Traffic Jam. Uh, what hey, I do want to do is, uh, is welcome you. Uh, so um, Mike, one of the things that uh, our industry has got lots of questions about uh, is uh, capacity. Um, we're all fighting for it. Uh, there are lots of areas that surround capacity. Uh, whether it's drivers or dwell time, turns or turnover. Um, It could be competition and it could be chassis that uh, are creating some issues uh, that fall into the capacity um, uh, gap. And so um, uh, what I want to do is kind of look at the forces that are impacting capacity in Chicagoland in particular. um, And uh, uh, as our... Intermodal marketplace has the demands on it that um, pretty much all of the terminal areas do. Can you begin to uh, touch base on uh, those pieces of capacity that you see as uh, both difficult and then perhaps some that we can conquer? Sure, I'd
1: uh, be happy to. Um... You know, I'll stay focused primarily on the Chicagoland area to give examples there. And But most markets, both um, on the ports and inland, you know, have, have a lot of the same uh, situation going on throughout the U.S. So, you know, really, you know, you, if you go back to where the, all this happened is, you know, when we had COVID, you know, we had a lot of people off the, uh, you know, the labor uh, employees were off. Um, you know, customers were constrained and, um, you know, freight stopped for, you know, a month or two coming out of, uh, China and, and some of the other, uh, origin countries. And, and then all of a sudden things started to open back up and pick back up, but we really never got, you know, the labor back, the warehouses open to the way they should be. And, and, um, and now all this volume is coming through because we want you know to get it back on the shelves, and uh, you know inventory is very low, um, and uh, so you know what what we saw happen. The first thing we saw happen is we struggled to deliver freight to the warehouses for them to accept it, and so what what happened there is once that started to happen, uh, we started to see you know the the uh, BCOs or the customers holding on to their freight a lot longer because they couldn't unload it. So the chassis dwell, and we've talked to a number of chassis providers, um, you know, out there, they say their dwell really doubled in this timeframe. So if on average it was five days out that they were holding on to their uh, chassis, it now went to 10 days. So now if if you double the amount of chassis days that you have out there assuming everything is at close to capacity you need twice the amount of chassis to cover the same amount of freight and and on top of that freight was growing so we really got into a chassis shortage that that was our biggest issue and um you know then it spiraled down from that area you know from the chassis shortage perspective um you know you know, then, um, you know, we couldn't, the railroads didn't have enough chassis to unload the trains and the trains started to back up. Then the the rail yards started to get full. When the rail yards are are full, you know, it takes longer to get in and out for the truckers. The the big issue that we see um, that's really impacted the drayage world and thus, you know, the supply chain and delivering to the freight, the freight in Chicago, had to do with once the chassis were short, we the Trayage community could no longer pick up the chassis and the container at the rail location. We had to chase after uh, all over the city to find chassis that were available. So our dispatchers would wake up in the morning and say, okay, I've got 30 loads to get out of a particular rail yard, but there's only five chassis there. So I got to go hunt down 25 other chassis. And you know, they were going from rail to rail facility. What that does is reduces the productivity of the driver. So now the productivity of the driver is cut by a third. So on average, you know, if he was going from CN Harvey to Joliet uh, to do a, a a drop and pick, you know, drop a, a load, pick up an empty, he may be able to get three loads done. Now, at most, he could get two. So his productivity has been cut really down. And it was even you know, more exasperated if you looked at shorter lengths of hull. And so, um, you know, what we found is the drivers became less productive at the same time when rates were going up and the drivers could go do other things. And so we we lost some drivers and uh, we, we had to address some, some market conditions to get the drivers paid a little bit differently. But so it's been a, you know, it just continued a self-fulfilling cycle of Of continuous problems that we haven't been been able to get out of uh even though the amount of freight slowed down coming into Chicago at least international freight and uh, but we still haven't been able to get caught up so it's it's been a host of things and it's just not one issue, but it's all of them combined together that's that's caused the shortage but what well i I will tell you, I don't think it's really per se, a driver shortage problem. It's a driver productivity and equipment problem that's resulted in the need to have more drivers and they're just not there.
0: Um, There are still a lot of ships in ports that are yet to be unloaded. Uh, So at least in the near future, it doesn't look like uh, we're gonna overcome that for a period of time because all of the pieces are separated so the puzzle is difficult to put back together. Um, one of the things, though, that uh, we talk about a lot is not just capacity, but congestion. And so congestion at the ports. Um, what you're saying is congestion at the rail yards. Uh, there's, and so a question becomes, is the customer, the shipper, the beneficial owner of freight, are they in a position to help us? To make turns more frequent so that a driver can be more productive and not leave the dray community for some uh, perhaps higher paying freight? Yeah,
1: I, I, you know, that certainly the, you know, at, at any point in the delivery cycle, if the PCO can help us, if he can help our turn times of getting in and out, if he can unload the, the box quicker. You know so that we can reuse that chassis um, you know those all help reduce the supply chain what we've seen is a number of our larger customers are are willing to get an outside lot when they're full and actually take the boxes to the ground then to free up the chassis so those are just a couple examples of what we've seen some of the bcos do and and most importantly um you know what we saw at first. Is when this we first started to run into the problem the, the issues, is that you know everyone was very frustrated, uh, you know, with the, the turn times being reduced and the the demerge that was now starting to build back up. And then at the other end, you got the per diem charges. And you know, they they were really, you know, blaming you know the trucker. And rightfully so, they're the ones that pick it up and deliver the freight. But I think the nice not the nice thing, but the, the, the thing that occurred, which has is, is been very positive is the BCOs really started to understand what the issues were. They started to listen to it. They would talk to a couple other drainage companies, not just maybe the one that they were working with. And they were seeing that everyone was facing the same thing. And then we said, okay, how do we, how do we work on this together? And what can we do? And the number of BCOs came back and, you know, said, hey, I know you're losing your driver because we're only getting two turns instead of three and they're paid per move. You know, what can we do to help you out, whether it be on the rate? And so, you know, we've used that to continue to retain and hopefully attract our drivers to want to do this this freight. And and so we've, we've had a really good working relationship with, with our BCOs, which has been great.
0: Um, there are lots of things that uh, impact what we do. Uh, certainly... Costs, compliance, compatibility, uh, computer and technology issues, all of these have been rolling forward, uh, making our supply chain better. um, But it also requires, has required, a lot from trucking companies in terms of being compliant with um, their computer and technology issues. Um, All of that has added cost um, in an effort to lower costs. Um, So it's the investment on the front end that helps everything to go down on the back end. Now, with fuel prices going way, way up and um, uh, the um, inflation hitting us as it is, uh, we're seeing costs go up. The question becomes, is this temporary? Is it going to last for a long time? Is it predictable? Um, Do you have any uh, insight as to um, either when this may abate or if it will level off?
1: Well, first of all, I tell you, if I've ever recommended you on a stock and you do the opposite, you'll do much better off than than if you listen to what I said. So I am not a a very good predictor of, uh, you know, what's going to happen in in our economy. I, I think that Listen, we're we're not going to be able to get a lot more chassis into the marketplace. They just can't be manufactured. And there's a whole host of reasons that we can get into that 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 are causing that. Um, the 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 issue that we see. So you know, we don't see there's going to be a tremendous amount of you know new drivers coming into the marketplace. So you know, we we're going to have to deal with the challenges. The only way I think it's really going to reduce down is if uh, demand slows down and. You know, we don't, you know, with the backlog, especially on the international freight, with the backlog on both the West Coast and the East Coast with, you know, all the, the ships and the, the freight not getting in quickly and backlog, you know, we don't see that slowing down for at least a three to six month period. Beyond that, we don't know. I saw the first uh, freight waves article today that, that talked about uh, slowing consumer demand. Uh, because of the cost of fuel, and inflation and and people have spent a lot of money over the last two years coming out of COVID. and now they're not starting to spend their money on other things other than physical products and And they were saying that we you know we might start to see a slowdown. but we to date, you know we have we have not seen that. Uh, most of our, our customers give us a, an outlook uh, for the year and and they expect demand to be strong. And if you look at some macroeconomic factors, um, you know all the macroeconomic factors. You know continue to be pretty solid as far as unemployment um, and, and and other housing and housing starts and housing prices and and uh, manufacturing. So you know, I I don't. I the only way I see this really improving is for demand to slow down. Otherwise, there's going to continue be some continued pressures.
0: It's a, an interesting dilemma because uh, with inflation comes the consumer who can't spend as they did when their money was growing um there they have some fixed costs which rise and so i can see the future of the slowdown that you're predicting um and uh, that looks like it's going to happen the reality is the now is (laughs) the ships are still being unloaded at the rate they are. And so we're dealt with the hand that we're dealt with. And uh, you play it out as best you can. You've certainly done a great job here in Chicagoland and throughout your system. Uh, And so we're grateful that you would take time uh, and uh, spend it with us for a little while. Uh, Any closing comments that you might want to add?
1: You know, I think, um, you know, it's, Um, You know, we've been fortunate to work with a lot of stakeholders in the industry. And, um, you know, especially through the traffic club and what you guys do and how you bring everyone together. Um, You know, I I think what we're seeing is more and more people wanting to work together. I think government wants to be involved now. That can be good. That can be bad. Um, But hopefully they can bring capital to help support some of the projects and and help improve, uh, you know, some of the issues that the supply chain has dealt with for a number of years and I think just by us all working together and uh, trying to find solutions whether it be small ones I think that uh, we can continue to to work through this Uh, we still think it's going to be a challenge but we we hopefully can get to the point where rates are stabilized or or coming down or you know depending on how you look at it um, you know working out for the you know, for, for overall to make things a little more uh, manageable, let's say.
0: Mike, I want to thank you for being on Traffic Jam with us today. Uh, you've been insightful and helpful. And I think you give a little balance to uh, those who kind of want to know, uh, where's my box? And uh, you've been helpful in that regard. So thank you for understanding the industry, for sharing your um, business acumen with us. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you on Traffic Jam again. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you.